Good evening, everyone, and welcome once again to If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I'm your host, Archie Mitchell, and we are here for a very, very special Halloween edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be reviewing just Halloween shows, no, but it is here on the eve of All Hallows' Eve, and we are ready to have some fun. Family is out trick-or-treating with the grandbaby. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take her to tomorrow to have some fun as well. So we're taking our turns. And it was a pretty big week for wrestling as far as in-ring action goes. Not a lot of news stories, not a lot of big happenings, but enough to keep us going. So I do want not once again have a frosty beverage with me. Uh, I'll explain that another time, why they have been missing in action the last couple of episodes. But in any indication, you go ahead and you pop one open for me, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy yourself and kick back as I spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. And we start ourselves off with some quick hits. The WWE has released ring announcer Greg Hamilton. This happened around five days ago. Hamilton was reportedly on social media yelling at a rapper who um, sampled part of uh, Hamilton's voice for one of his songs without consent. Greg Hamilton was threatening said rapper with um, a lawsuit uh, from WWE's lawyers and uh, wanted the rapper to reportedly uh, pay him anywhere from thirty-five dollars to $40,000 uh, for reparations for using his voice. So... Hamilton was then released and then released a statement saying, don't buy into what, um, you know, the uh, dirt sheets and everyone else is saying. Uh, he, he he parted ways on good terms with the WWE and, you know, he wants everybody to know that. Um, so in any indication, I hope that Greg Hamilton finds somewhere to go ahead and uh, land and um, we'll see what happens very soon. So, quick hit number two, ROH will be shutting its doors for the first part of 2022 um, after their final battle pay-per-view and has released all of its superstars from their contracted obligations to the company. Uh, Now, I am and have been a very big ROH fan, and um, I do hope that they come back. You know, it's not easy to see a wrestling company close their doors, but they say that it's just because they want to rebrand and find a new image for the company. And the reason that they are allowing their wrestlers out of their contracts is because their wrestlers did not uh, leave them during the pandemic. You know, they actually stuck around and waited to see what ROH was going to do. And they want to give these young men and women an opportunity to go out there and see if there's anything else for them. Uh, Reports are circulating that Tony Khan signed wrestlers such as John Grisham, Jay Lethal, Rush, Bandito, and the Briscoe Brothers, as well as many others already to AEW contracts, thanks to the consent from Ring of Honor. So I hope Ring of Honor opens back up. I hope that they once again enjoy success. The more wrestling companies that are on television, the more wrestling companies that these guys and girls have a chance to go to and work at, it makes for better product for everybody. You know, AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor, MLW, the NWA, New Japan, 
it doesn't matter where they're wrestling as long as they're wrestling they're being paid for their way their their time and killing themselves in that ring and it just seems to me if one of them closes down it could lead to very bad things happening in the wrestling business once again and our final quick hit and i don't want it to actually be a quick hit i am sending out thoughts and prayers as well as um my uh my hopefully a, a, a true blessing to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, he recently went for surgery a few days ago and announced that he was battling cancer. Um, cancer is not a fun situation. I lost quite a bit of family members to that, and I am not in any way, shape, or form um, looking to lose wrestlers like we've lost in the past as well, especially Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Hacksaw joined us in the asylum for a virtual meet and greet. He was one of our first people. He was one of the most personable, nicest guys I've ever met. You know, he wasn't about being real serious and, you know, we got to do it this way. No, he was there for the fans. He was there for us. And I just want him to have a speedy recovery and for him to be back at the uh, at doing what he loves which is being there for his family and his fans. So if you can as well, send out your thoughts and prayers to Hacksaw Jim Duggan and, um, you know, send him a, a Facebook message or a PM or whatever. Let him know that you're with him. He's doing better since the surgery. So it all just matters of time before we find out if he's going to bounce back or not. So with the quick hits out of the way, we now move ahead and go to our first show. And that is NXT's Halloween Havoc. I would like to say that this was a much different animal than last week. This was more like a pay-per-view as opposed to a uh, television show. Um, and I, I really did enjoy the product of NXT much more this week. And I told you that last week. Don't just think that I'm you know, pumping AEW and going to constantly shit on NXT. No. I'm going to tell you when something's good, and I'm going to tell you when something's bad, in my opinion. Watch it for yourself, though. Make sure you either agree or disagree with me, and that's fine if you disagree with me. We are all entitled to our own opinions. So, starting off, we get a good highlight package, which shows us what's been going down since the reboot. Then we go to Chucky, who introduces our opening match, and it is Io Shirai, Zoe Stark, versus Toxic Attraction, which is Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. Uh, versus Indy Hartwell and Parada. Uh, this started out quick and had a lot of damage early on. Uh, Dol- uh, Gigi Dolan and Jane take the early advantage. It Then they get cut off by Indy and Parada. Shirai and Stark take Indy and Parada off the ladder with a diving attack, and now all six women are going at it. Stark almost to the top. Parada throws her off, but she springboards and lands on top of Toxic Attraction and Indy Hartwell. Stark goes for a 450 on the ladder on Parada, and it gets a little botched, but it's okay. Indy sends Io off the ladder, and she comes down hard on her shoulder and almost her neck. It was almost a pretty bad spot. Dolan takes Indy off the ladder and grabs the belts, and at the 15-minute mark, your winners and new women's tag team champion, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane Toxic Attraction. Perfect opener with a good mixture of high spots and great ability. Even with the botch that we saw, these women bounced back quickly and showed us that they were going to do their absolute best being in that ring. Now it's time for Dexter Loomis' Haunted House with Carmelo Anthony and Trey Williams. 
The opening of this didn't disappoint. Very funny trick offering to buy Carmelo a replica belt so they didn't have to go into the house was hilarious. Seeing Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis work together here and Johnny be like, oh, zombies. Yeah, after last year, absolutely comedy gold. Um, there's more to come later on. Grayson Waller is now out and he is being annoying as fuck. But I can't believe I'll say it. Thank God for Joe Gacy because he interrupts him. Gacy condemns Halloween and then eats a drop kick from his opponent, Malik Blade. Gacy takes on Malik Blade. Gacy quickly took over after the drop kick and uh, overpowered Blade. Nice sambo suplex followed with a delayed suplex. Uh, we see a, a Harlan entering the arena from backstage and Gacy continues his beatdown. Harlan comes to ringside. Gacy hits his finisher and gets the win in five minutes. Decent segment here because you want to get Joe Gacy over, and that's how you do it. Uh, and to Gacy uh, getting over and introducing Harlan to the fans, I want more. It's what needs to happen and what should be happening. If Joe Gacy is the reason that Harlan gets over and ends up being his manager while also being his tag team partner, that's fine because I think these two work together perfectly. We then hear from Kylie Ray, who said she's ready to take uh, her respect back from NXT, and she's about to rage all over the roster. Kylie feeling besmirched since she's got there, as she is not given the same credit she was in NXT UK. Uh, at the NXT Halloween party, Grayson Waller is once again there. He tries to explain Halloween to Jiro and Kushida. Cameron Grimes delivers some bad pickup lines in the corner to some women, and then we go back to the ring. The NXT Halloween party was a blast as well, in my opinion. Diamond Mind Open Challenge. Uh, Malcolm Bivens says anyone can challenge any member of the Diamond Mind, and Odyssey Jones comes out, and he is there <coughs> to challenge Roderick Strong. Now, this is a non-title match because... Well, obviously, Odyssey Jones is not 205 pounds, so he has to uh, wait and, uh, you know, trim down a little bit if he can, but he does take on Roderick Strong, and uh, he picks Roderick Strong, and off to the races we go. Uh, Strong tries to use chops, but Jones just overpowers him. Jones throws Roddy around the ring, but Roddy reverses a slam into a sleeper hold. Strong comes back with two big kicks to the head and is in control. Diamond Mind gets involved. Strong hits a hard knee to the head and gets the win in eight minutes. This was a good match. Both men showed off serious skill, and it helped solidify Odyssey Jones as a major threat because it took the entire Diamond Mind to take him out. Uh, nice to see uh, them actually continuing to progress the Diamond Mind as not just this stale stable with Malcolm Bivens that doesn't do anything. The Creed brothers are doing fantastic. This new young woman that they've got with them is great. And Roderick Strong is who he is because he can get over in the ring. So backstage, McKenzie inter uh, interviews Imperium, and they get cut off in their promo. They cut their promo, excuse me. They cut their promo in German. But according to the subtitles, they are ready for their match for the World Tag Team titles later on this evening. The NXT party rages on, and Duke Hudson invites Cameron Grimes to play some cards next week. And Robert Stone gets put through a table dressed as Elvis. Again, hilarious backstage happenings. I actually can't wait to see Duke Hudson and Cameron Grimes play poker because we know how much Cameron uh, has on him at all times when, from all the money that he made in the stock market. And I think it would be uh, funny to see if Duke maybe cheats him or screws him or whatever. 
But whatever the case, I have a feeling that that's going to make for some funny backstage uh, comedy um, in the near weeks. And then we go to the ring for our next title match. It's Mandy Rose challenging for the women's title against Raquel Gonzalez. Chucky spins the wheel, and it lands on Chucky's choice. He picks a trick-or-treat street fight, and here we go. Mandy tries to explode with right hands, but Gonzalez throws her off. Rose now in the corner, taking it to Gonzalez. Rose now with a kendo stick to the champ's leg. Gonzalez finally takes over with a sidewalk slam for a two, and then locks Mandy in the tree of woe. Chair to the midsection of Rose, and now here comes the tables. Gonzalez with a kendo stick now and is using it on Mandy Rose. Rose puts Gonzalez on a chair and locked her in with a kendo stick, which is a little funny, and then delivers a killer pump kick. Great spot. From out of nowhere, a masked figure hits Gonzalez with a shovel to the back of the head. Rose hits her with her knee strike, which is almost like a V-trigger, and picks up the win at the 20-minute mark. Your winner and new women's champion, Mandy Rose. So now Toxic Attraction has all the women's gold, which is what they predicted. Now, I'm actually seeing Toxic Attraction moving on sort of like a women's undisputed era. And if they continue to run roughshod, it'll be good for NXT's women division because Mandy Rose, lover or hater or whatever, decent in the ring. Gigi Dolan, great in the ring. JC James beginning to grow in the ring. So I think they've got something meshing well between all three of these women. The mass figure is then revealed to be Dakota Kai. And this once again progresses another storyline here. Dakota Kai did challenge Raquel Gonzalez for the women title and fell short. I'm all for these two continuing to feud. Carmelo Hayes and Trick are still roaming around the Dexter's uh, haunted house. Every turn has Trick jumping and Melo is getting angrier. Andre Chase pops up and he is leading the boys to Dexter and Johnny, I think. Nope, zombies. Uh, they attack Chase. Melo got lost for a second and Trick is bugging out. They finally find the NA title but get taken out by Gargano and Dexter and then have to fend off some zombies and run off. Uh, this was theatrically this was uh, theatrically sound as possible. Great, you know, unbelievable the way they put this together. And then funny as well, and it's leading to a tag team match next week between Trick and Carmelo against uh, Johnny and Dexter. Again, all for it. Grayson Waller is again being annoying as fuck in the ring, and he gets cut off by L.A. Knight. L.A. is, is the actual host of NXT, but he had some car trouble. Waller and uh, L.A. are both dressed as Dracula. And okay, this is a little ridiculous. Solo Sakura, the uh, Usos' baby brother, hits the ring, and he takes out Waller, thank God, and makes a big impact with the fans. They were cheering to the rafters with this guy's name. But to be honest, he looks like a bona fide killer, so I guess I'd be cheering as well. Chucky is watching Braun Breaker work out, and yes, finally, Chucky and Rick Steiner's son interact with one another. I've been wanting this since the reboot of the Child's Play TV series. MK, MSK taking on Imperium with the World Tag Team titles on the line. The fan uh, of the night from the crowd <coughs> got to spin the wheel. And we have ourselves a Lumberjack or Lantern match. Okay. 
Uh, Imperium take the upper hand and use MKS's speed against them uh, and against to, to their own advantage by dropping Wesley down with arm drags. Uh, Dropkick sends Bartell to the outside, and the Lumberjacks jump on top. MSK with stereo flips to the outside, taking out everyone. MSK with their innovative offense retain control. Eichner finally takes over with the stiff slam and takes back tags back into Bartell, and now Imperium is in the driver's seat. Uh, lifting both Lee and Carter was an amazing sight to see for Eichner. He tried, he tried, he tried, and then he finally got it. Incredible feat of strength. Great back and forth before between all four men, but Imperium hit the Imperium bomb, got the win in 23 minutes. Your winner and new World Tag Team Champions for NXT, Imperium. Incredible tag match. Even with the silly gimmick, both teams were absolutely fantastic, in my opinion. And then we're not even going to do anything else. We're just going to go straight to the main event here. NXT doesn't want to waste any more time. Braun Breaker taking on Tommaso Ciampa. Chucky wishes Braun Breaker good luck before the match and says he helps, hopes being a loser doesn't run in the family. I'm loving this. I kind of hope that we get face-to-face interaction with Chucky and Braun Breaker. As corny as it was back in the day in WCW and as corny as it is right now, it's still funny. Quick opening and Breaker with a big shoulder block takes Champion down. Breaker showing off pure power and speed until Champa connects with a drop kick to the midsection, and now the champion has control. Champa takes it to Breaker on the outside and then looks to set up uh, on the floor uh, by damaging the pad outside, looking to set up possibly a suplex or even a, a pile driver. You never know with Champa. Breaker comes back and looks for a suplex. Champa reverses into a neckbreaker. Double axe handled by Champa from the second rope, and it only gets a two. Breaker makes a comeback and hits a nice belly-to-belly, but then a botch from the second rope changes things a bit. He was going for a double axe handle, fell off. At least he didn't get hurt, though. Um, Champa tried to end it right then and there, but Braun kicked out, reversed a uh, Irish whip, and hit a Frankensteiner. I have not seen this move hit by someone that big in quite some time since his, un- his Uncle Scotty did it, and it was phenomenal. It only gets a two-count. They fight to the outside. Champa hits a DDT on the exposed concrete. Champa hits his fairy tale ending on the inside on a bloodied brawn breaker, and breaker kicks out at two. Champa used three knee strikes and a second fairy tale ending to finally get the win at the 18-minute mark. Champa wins your winner and still... NXT World Champion, Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, what a match. Braun Breaker has a bright future in front of him, and Tommaso Ciampa proved while he is still the face of NXT and will do anything to win. Now, in my opinion, even with the two botches that happened, this was five out of five. This was classic NXT, and it's what it needed to be. Great job for Halloween Havoc. I enjoyed it 100%. It, it just was an all-around good show. Like I said, if you even if you ignore the botches, which happen in every show, they weren't crazy, they didn't hurt nobody, and they were able to just move on with the match. Still good. AEW Dynamite is next, and we open this week's show with a barn burner of a match, but AEW has been doing that for weeks now. CM Punk versus Bobby Fish. Fish tried to t- make a slow start, kept ducking outside, but Punk 
brought him down with a headlock and then a shoulder block for a one count. Fish took over in the corner and delivered knee shots to Punk, who fought back and brought Fish down with a chin lock. Punk slams Fish not once, but three times in the middle of the ring, much to the delight of the fans. Fish regains control and uses his leg strikes and knees to bring Punk back down. Punk with the clothesline to the outside and then a suicide dive takes Fish out to the floor. Back inside, both men with reversals, but Punk lifts up Fish, hits the GPS, and in 14 minutes picks up the win. Incredible opener once again from NXT. Two guys who showed they were up to work, and I want to see more from them. If we can get another Bobby Fish versus NXT uh, versus CM Punk matchup, great. If it can go 25 or 30 minutes, even better. But this was superb to open up AEW Dynamite. Malachi Black talks about his war last week with Cody Rhodes and that he changed Cody. Malachi says he's not done with the Nightmare family just yet. MJF takes out a jobber in two minutes and then grabs the mic. MJF rips into the Boston crowd and Gunn goes into his promo about Darby Allen. MJF says is the perfect modern, in my opinion, MJF is the perfect modern heel. And he says um, he's done with Darby and throws his hat in the race for the next number one contender uh, to the world heavyweight title after full gear. (coughs) Lights go out the first time and MJF fakes everybody out to make them think that Sting is there. They go out a second time, though, and we see Darby Allen in an MJF mask take out another guy in an MJF mask as well. Darby Allen then just sits there looking into the camera. MJF runs away, leaving uh, Wardlow and Spears to fend off Sting. Sting beats them both down. MJF is trying to run away, and there is Darby Allen in the crowd. MJF hits the, uh, the entranceway. Darby Allen gets into the ring with his thumbtacked skateboard and uses it to whack Wardlow and Spears around. Um, Darby grabs the mic and says at full gear, uh, he is ready. He says All he says is full gear. So those two are going to have an incredible matchup. I can't wait to see them on pay-per-view, ladies and gentlemen. Tony Schiavone lets Britt Baker know that she'll be fighting Abaddon this Friday in a street fight. And the good doctor does not look happy about it. Ethan Page taking on Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship. Now, if Sammy wins, he gets to pick who Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky will team with from the American Top Team in the five-on-five match when the Inner Circle take on American Top Team. But if Sammy loses, not only does he lose the TNT title, he must leave the Inner Circle as well. Sammy attacked and took Page out with a knee, sending him to the outside. Guevara followed, and Page caught him off the guardrail with a heavy strike and sent the champ back into the ring, uh, which sounded like a bell. The, the sound Sammy made was unbelievable. Page kept control with back with a backbreaker, palm strike, and knee shots to Guevara, keeping him down on the mat. Sammy finally used his quickness and took Page down with a clothesline and a springboard cutter. Page to the outside, and Guevara landed a standing shooting star press, but it looked like it hurt himself as well as Page. Page tries for a top rope ego driver, but Guevara reversed it in midair into a Hun Conrada. Guevara rolled Page up to get the win at the 14-minute mark. Your winner and still TNT champion, 
Sammy Guevara. Another incredible matchup here tonight. Paige Guevara showed innovative offense the entire match. Scorpio Sky runs down after and tries to take out Guevara, but the entire inner circle makes a save. Jericho says the inner circle are ready for whoever the men of the year bring with them for their five-on-five matchup. And I'm guessing next week we will find out who Sammy Guevara is picking. Tony Schiavone interviews Eddie Kingston and Brian Danielson. Now, Brian has been poking at uh, Eddie Kingston, saying that Kingston is not at 100% and that he is not as hard of a worker as Brian. Kingston says he's tougher and a harder worker than Brian, and everyone will know that when they see their matchup this Friday on Rampage. And then he walks off. Danielson says that's what he wants to see from Eddie Kingston, and he is ready for Rampage. I've already watched the match. We're going to get into it, but I and on Wednesday night, I could not wait for this. I was like a a, a, a diehard Mark fan. Oh, I need this. You know, it was unbelievable seeing these two back and forth. Uh, Lucha Brothers lay down a challenge to FTR for full gear with the World Tag Team titles on the line. Should be a hell of a matchup if FTR does agree to it. Then we get Serena Deeb and Sheeta in the TBS title tournament. Both women go back and forth with wrist locks, leg shots, and reversals throughout the first couple of minutes. Deeb got sent to the outside, and Sheeta brought her back in with a deadlift suplex. Sheeta tries for another suplex, but Deeb picked the ankle and brought Sheeta down on her left leg. <coughs> Sheeta with a missile dropkick kicks off of her their opponent to, to the outside steps and sends Deeb back in. But Deeb slips out and attacks the leg once again on Sheeta. We see a figure four around the ring post, and Sheeta is screaming in pain. Deeb reversed her, uh, reversed every trick in the book to use on Sheeta, but both women kept reversing each other's pins. Sheeta finally got a three count at the eleven minute mark, and I wanted more. I got to be honest with you, but Sheeta gets the win and is moving on. Both women did everything they could, and this match was as perfect as it could be in the continuance of their feud. Deeb then attacked Sheeta with the chair afterwards, and it took Jerry Lynn and a bunch of referees and agents to finally pull Serena Deeb off of her. Now, I don't know if they're going to use an injury angle to keep uh, Hiroku Ishida out of the tournament or if this was just to progress the feud. In any indication, Serena Deeb's new killer instinct is unbelievable. Tony Schiavone interviews Leo Rush and Dante Martin. We find out that it will actually end up being on Rampage that Matt Seidel will take on Dante Martin in their third matchup because Mike Seidel got injured and Leo looks very angry, kind of like a stage dad would at their son. And Dante Martin just looks miserable. But in any indication, Leo guarantees victory this Friday on Rampage. We then get 10 taking on Moxley. Quick start by Moxley with the German suplex to 10, followed up with stomps in the corner. 10 tries to fight back, but Moxley sends him face first into the ring steps and begins ripping at the mask of 10. 10 is now busted open. He is laying, uh, is now laying into Moxley, trying to fight back. Moxley comes back with a clothesline and right hands. He then hits a paradigm shift and gets the win in two minutes. I didn't like this one bit. There was no reason for Moxley to squash 10 this badly. You put 10 over on his way to the ring, and you say he's won his last 13 out of 15 matches. You make this guy look like he's invincible, and he does look that way. He's he's muscular, he's big, he's bad. And then Moxley kills him in two minutes. I'm sorry. 
There was no reason for a squash in this tournament. This was not Sonny Kiss versus Kenny Omega last year. This was Preston, you know, this young man by the name of Ten from the Dark Order who's been killing himself every week in the ring, getting shit on by John Moxley. <coughs> FTR uh, challenges, accepts the challenge of the Lucha Brothers and give warning to Pentagon and Phoenix that uh, they don't think they're ready for their match with uh, FTR. But FTR is definitely ready to take home another set of gold from the Lucha Brothers. Cody Rhodes and Arn Anderson are out to speak for the booing Boston fans. Cody says he isn't taking the easy way out and doesn't care if the fans boo or cheer. He's not turning heel. Cody says he will not turn, and it's because he loves the fans and apologizes for getting to Hollywood. Andrade interrupts Cody and calls the American Nightmare out. He says Cody made a stupid decision getting involved in his business, and that is about Cody helping Pac last week on Rampage. Um, the lights go out, and Malachi Black is back, spewing mist into Cody's eyes. Andrade and Black take Arn and Cody out, but Pac makes the save to pay Cody back from a couple of weeks ago on Rampage, and looks like we're getting Cody and Pac versus Andrade and Black. Yes, please. And now it is time for our main event. We have the Dark Order taking on Super Elite, five on, a four-on-four tag match. And we've got uh, Stu Grayson as the God of War. Evil Uno is a cowboy, complete with a horse. Colt Cabana is, a, is Brandon Cutler. That's funny. And yes, John Silver is Bambi. Remember, they talked about wearing costumes because this was their Halloween episode. On the other side, the Elite are the Ghostbusters, complete with Brandon Cutler as Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And um, Kenny Omega's Japanese friend as Adam Cole's baby. Uh, this was just a fun match. A lot of comedy. Back and forth with the elite keeping control for the most part. John Silver was the star of the match, taking out the entire elite by himself. Stay Puff finally unmasked to show that he was Adam Page and not Brandon Cutler. Uh, Page hit his... Uh, Finishing move that reversed Tombstone and Silver hit his on Matt Jackson and the Dark Order gets the win at the 22-minute mark. I love this. And I, it helped Adam Page get over on the Elite. It helped get the Dark Order a win finally. And I look, I know some people have been crapping on this on the internet because, well, you mentioned WWE being too kiddie and everybody's always saying WWEs are for children and this and that. Guys, at the end of the day, children, teenagers, adults... It doesn't matter who's watching. If these guys are having fun doing what they're doing when they're putting their body on the line, so be it. If it makes you laugh, great. And if not, all right, calm down, though. It's not that big of a deal. I thought this was hysterical, though. I gave AEW a 4.5 out of 5, 4.5 out of 5. was another great episode. The Moxley uh, squash did kind of piss me off a little bit, so that's why I deducted half a point. But in any indication, it was still a great, great matchup. And now for our final show of the evening, AEW Rampage. And AEW didn't disappoint. They went right to the opening match. Daniel Bryan, or Brian Danielson, excuse me, taking on Eddie Kingston. Show opens right off the bat with this barn burner. Uh, long feeling out process between both men trying to get the upper hand. Everyone's... Uh, 
Even once Kingston makes a move with a chop, Danielson comes back with a stiff kick. This was a back-and-forth masterpiece between two great fighters. Kingston finally leveled Danielson with a big boot and a neckbreaker for a two. Danielson made a comeback and landed a big suplex from the top rope. Danielson used elbows to the head to be able to lock in an armbar and and use his joint manipulation, but Kingston reversed it into a DDT. Eddie landed a back fist but couldn't make the cover. Kingston crawled for the pin, but Danielson locked in a triangle and used repeated elbows to the top of the head to knock Kingston out and get the win at the 20-minute mark. This was by far the best opener I have ever seen. Both men refused to quit. Brian had to knock Kingston out in order to get the win. It was it was unbelievable. That's how you open a wrestling show. This, the CM Punk versus Bobby Fish match, and even the women's triple threat tag team match that we saw on NXT. Open it with a solid match and you'll have fans glued to the screen. Backstage, Tony Schiavone is interviewing CM Punk. And before Punk can get a word out, here comes Eddie Kingston. Kingston interrupts and is screaming that he never tapped out. Referee never checked his hand, and he believes that the match should not have ended. Eddie continues to beginning to yell at Punk, and Kingston is pissed that he never tapped out. And Punk says Eddie is being disrespectful. Now, if this leads to Punk versus Kingston down the line, I'm all for it. I want to see it. I've seen these two battle in Ring of Honor and all over Indies. I have watched their matches before. I am not mad at this match for happening. But let's let Eddie and Daniel and Brian Danielson maybe finish theirs, and let's let Bobby Fish and CM Punk have one more before we get to this one. <laughs> That's just my opinion, though. Dante Martin versus Matt Seidel is next. Nice quick opening sequences with both men exchanging arm bars and arm drags. Martin got control and hit a big missile dropkick to Matt Seidel and then a suicide dive to the outside. Martin tried to go back up again, but Seidel stopped him and hit a huge Hern Conrana. Both men exchanged elbows and kicks in the middle of the ring, and Martin nailed a rolling cutter. Martin picked up the win at the 12-minute mark out of nowhere, and damn, these two guys, three matches, they have been completely different matches, but have all gotten better every time. It's not like you're seeing them do the same moves. They're not doing acrobats. It's not just like this planned ballet. They have had a different match every time. I congratulate them. I salute them. Dante Martin has got star written all over his forehead. Matt Seidel has always been a star. Just where he worked before, they didn't know how to use him. And yes, Leo Rush was there. But thank God he didn't get involved, and he actually let these two have a fantastic matchup. Mark Henry then has a split-screen interview with Abaddon and Britt Baker. Abaddon is at a loss for words, and uh, Britt says she's sending Abaddon back to hell where she came from. So now it is time for the main event. Abaddon taking on Britt Baker in a street fight. Britt plays scared well to start off this one, and she runs from Abaddon. Abaddon gains control and sets up a chair in the corner but Britt slams her head first into the chair. Abaddon gets sent through a table by Britt, but it doesn't break, so Britt uses a suplex again, and again, table does not break. Abaddon fights back and puts uh, Baker down on a pile of thumbtacks for a two-count. Baker comes back and hits a super kick, and then a super kick with thumbtacks in the mount of Abaddon, and again, only gets two-count. Baker... 
allows Jamie Hayter and Rebel to distract Abaddon and roll her up and pick up the three uh, at the uh, 10-minute mark. This was a little too much comedy even for me. I mean, they were really going for that comedy, crazy, hardcore match. Dumb tags don't always need to get needed. Um, <coughs> Abaddon was already bleeding when she got to the ring, so busting her open made no sense. I mean, it was just, I don't know. It was not the best main event match. Not after the first two matches that you had. This would have been okay for, like, the third match on a five-card match show, but not as your main event. But... I'm biased, maybe, I, you know, I don't know. But it was an okay matchup. I'm giving AEW Rampage a 4 out of 5 for this week's show. The first two matches were absolutely incredible. The main event was just okay. So, in in my opinion, it was a great week for wrestling. You know what I mean? Um, how could it not have been when you've got great show after great show after great show? NXT, I hope, continues to fire on all cylinders like they did this past week for uh, Halloween Havoc. And AEW is continuing to do their absolute best. So if that's the way they continue to put on wrestling shows, then uh, I will continue watching and bringing you my absolute best opinion in regards to all of these shows. So it is now time for our final segment here tonight. And that is what grinds my gears. And it's something I've been thinking about for the last couple of weeks. When wrestling companies talk about each other. Now, I don't mean when we see it on on the television show. Like a wrestler talks to another wrestler. For instance, Kevin Nash was coming down the aisle during an episode of uh, WCW Nitro. He flashed up at Too Sweet. And he said, right back at you, HBK, miss you, brother. That's okay. When a wrestler is cutting a promo and says, you know, screw screw the other company, that's fine too. But when companies are doing interviews and they proceed to mention other companies, it's starting to piss me off. It's been happening more and more lately. Tony Khan being the most notable. Again, I'm an AEW fan. You hear me gushing about it every week since Rampage started, since I started doing this show AEW has gotten on a full roll, and I love it. But Tony Khan decided, well, SmackDown's going to two and a half hours just to compete with us. Well, we're going to beat SmackDown. And then after they didn't beat SmackDown, it was, well, we won the demographic. Well, yes, you won the demographic, but the ratings is what you're considering to be so important. So don't just talk about the demographic. You lost in the ratings. But that's okay because you guys aren't trying to compete on Friday night. You're on Wednesday. They're on Monday. They're on Friday before you. Now, I'm not saying that there's not competition for the WWE. AEW definitely is competition for the WWE. It should be pushing the WWE more to put up a better product. But God damn it. You're sitting there and you're poking the bear, Tony, for no reason whatsoever. Enjoy your success. <clears throat> Continue to have the great wrestling matches that you have. Continue to be putting on great shows for your live audience in your arenas. You're selling out every arena. And enjoy what ratings you are getting. 750,000 fans, a million fans. It'll continue to grow as time goes on. 
WCW was not built in a day. The NWA was not built in a day. ECW wasn't built in a day. And believe it or not, neither was the WWF or the WWE. Enjoy your success, Tony. Because if you continue to poke the bear, and if you continue to say that you are better than the WWE, Vince McMahon is going to start pulling some stupid moves like he's done in the past, such as telling certain arenas, don't rent out to that company. If you do, we won't run any shows here anymore. Telling pay-per-view companies or television channels, don't put that show on, because if you do, we ain't going to let you you know, show our shows, and so on and so forth. He's done it before. He is a petty, old, crotchety man. And for you to try and poke him and tell the, the fans we're better, you know, we're going to do it our way, we're, we're, we're beating them, they're afraid of us, it's not doing anything to help you right now. I say this as a fan. Let them do their thing. You do your thing. If you picked up all that talent from Ring of Honor, guess what? You're about to have a killer tag team division, a killer TNT title division, and a killer world title division. And yet it'll just continue to get better. Jay Leto and the Lethal and the Briscoe brothers are willing to put your company on their back and run with it. Uh, you know, uh, the other guys you picked up, John Grisham and Bandito and Rush, great international stars that are known worldwide. Do your thing, Tony. Continue to grow your company and allow it to grow at the best possible way. You want to let your wrestlers throw little pot shots in a, in a promo on TV? Go for it. You want to let your wrestlers say something on Twitter? Go for it. But stay out of these interviews with other, you know, podcasts and, uh, you know, television shows and newspapers and wrestling outlets. Stop saying the things you're saying. It's not helping you. It's not helping wrestling. And it's not going to help anybody in the long run. Please, I implore you. So, with that being said, I want to thank you guys for once again joining me on If uh, You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. I will be back once again next week, and I will be reviewing NXT and AEW and anything else that falls down the pipeline my way. Thank you for joining me. Thank you to Nate Maxson and We Can't Wrestle Podcast, as well as the WrestleNet Radio family, for allowing me this outlet as usual. And I will see you next time on If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking.